Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, July 17th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, gold went through a couple of corrections this week and dipped below $1,800 an ounce a couple of times, but generally managed to hold its ground. As I record the podcast, the yellow metal is trading at about $1,805 per ounce. A better expected rise in retail sales in June reignited recovery hopes and put some selling pressure on metals, but a resurgence in the COVID cases in the U.S. has helped maintain the safe haven bid for gold and silver both. The 7.5% gain in retail sales follows on the heels of an 18.2% surge in May. But even with those big numbers, we're still not even back to the pre-crisis trend. In fact, we're barely above 0% for the year. I'm going to get into the economy uh, a little bit more here in just a minute. Silver broke through a key level on Monday, breaching the $19 an ounce level, and it continued to surge through most of the week until it joined gold in a correction on Thursday. Silver closed in on $20 an ounce midweek and then fell Thursday. As I record the podcast, the white metal is trading at about $19.37 an ounce. The silver-gold ratio is just a tick below 94 to 1. Now that seems kind of low after we saw over 100 to 1 last spring, but in truth, that's really a huge spread. And as I've said a number of times on this podcast, silver is still significantly undervalued compared to gold, meaning there's a long way for silver to run up. I talked about the silver market dynamics last week, so I won't belabor that point. I'll link to an article I wrote on Monday in the show notes page that will give you some detail on the supply-demand dynamics if you want to dig a little deeper. I did a podcast interview last night, and we got to talking about the economy. You know, I still really don't think most people realize the extent of the economic damage that the government shutdowns have wrought. And it's not just the shutdowns. It's also the government response, the stimulus, the bailouts, the borrowing, the money printing. My wife and I have been watching a TV series alone. The premise of the show, if you haven't ever seen it, is they dump 10 people in the wilderness, and they have to survive alone. The one who stays out there the longest wins. In one of the episodes, one of the contestants shot a moose with an arrow. Of course, the moose takes off. Luckily for the contestant, he was able to track the moose down, but then he had to stand there and watch it for literally several hours before it finally fell over and died. Now, this whole time, the animal looked fine. He was up. He was kind of walking around. You would have never known just by looking that the moose was mortally wounded. I think the economy is like that. It's wounded. It's going to die. But right now, it looks, you know, it looks okay. So people are fooled into thinking that it's just going to run off and be just fine. I honestly don't think we're going to see the real impact of all of this economic turmoil for months, maybe even a year or more. But if you look close at the economy, if you look at what's going on, you can see the wounds. 
Just consider the fact that we're continuing to see over 1 million unemployment claims every single week. This week it was 1.3 million. People are blaming the resurgence of the Rona, but I don't think that's just it. I mean, that's certainly a huge factor, but there's more to it. Businesses that were holding on by a fingernail are giving up the ghost. Savings is running out. Stimulus money is running out. They can't hang on any longer. And I think this is going to accelerate. I'll give you an an anecdotal story. An iconic college bar in Lexington, Kentucky filed for bankruptcy this week. It's called the Two Keys Tavern. It's right on the edge of the University of Kentucky campus. It was a big hangout when I went to school at UK in the 1980s. It was a big hangout when my daughter went to UK just a couple of years ago. In fact, Two Keys has been there for 65 years. But after all of the economic shutdown, it couldn't make rent. Poof. Iconic business, gone. That's happening all over the country. The foundation of the economy is rotting away. You can also tell there's a problem just when you're out and about. I was talking to a friend of mine who was uh, mentioning the fact that grocery prices are going up. And you know, there are still shortages of some products. Weird things, like my wife couldn't find a low-fat salad dressing the other day. That's because supply chains are jacked up. You know, it's a lesson of the unseen that Bastiat tried to teach us over 100 years ago. Here's another one for you. According to one expert, between 20 million and 28 million Americans could face eviction between now and September. Now that compares to about 10 million evictions over a much longer period of time following the foreclosure crisis in 2008. Emily Benfer chairs the American Bar Association's Task Force Committee on Eviction, and she was co-creator of the COVID-19 Housing Policy Scorecard with the Eviction Lab at Princeton University. She told CNBC the number of evictions is unprecedented. She said, quote, We have never seen this extent of eviction in such a truncated amount of time in our history. We can expect this to increase dramatically in the coming weeks and months, especially as the limited support and intervention measures that are in place place start to expire. One economist estimated the economic shockwaves from the government shutdowns could precipitate a 40% rise in homelessness this year alone. So, you'll never guess what Benfer's solution is. She wants a national moratorium on evictions. I guess that sounds good to a lawyer. Just force the landlord to let people stay in their homes without paying rent. But she's ignoring the unseen. Despite the stereotype, most landlords aren't wearing top hats and monocles and rolling around in piles of money. They depend on the income streams from their rents to pay their mortgages. If they can't pay the mortgage, then the bank forecloses on their property. That means the tenant is probably going to get forced out at some point anyway. Of course, I guess you could always bar foreclosures too, right? But that just shifts the burden to the banks. Banks depend on mortgage payments to stay solvent. Pressure on banks would mean fewer loans. And of course, all of the policymakers are depending on easy credit to keep the economy stimulated. So I guess the Fed will just have to print more money and bail out the banks. And that brings us to inflation, which is the ultimate endgame here. This monetary policy is insane, and at some point, they're going to crash the dollar. The greenback is already under pressure, but I mean, they're really going to crash the dollar. And that's when the real crisis starts. So you see, every intervention creates a new problem, which requires a more extreme intervention, which creates a new problem. And round and round we go until the house of cards finally collapses.
And that right there is why gold is pushing toward record levels. That's why silver is rallying. That's why gold is already at record levels in most major currencies. We live in a bubble economy that's only staying inflated because of all of these interventions. One nasty thing about bubbles is that they all eventually pop. And gold is the quintessential anti-bubble. I love that term, anti-bubble. I have to confess I taxed it. By taxed, I mean I stole it. But Yeah, I taxed it from hedge fund manager Diego Perilla. As Bloomberg describes his fund, it's predisposed toward hedging the next big crash while generating capital over time. Perilla describes his strategy as a search for anti-bubbles. And that fund is up by like 47% on the year. Now, you know, Peter Schiff has called the Fed policy of QE, infinity, and zero interest rates forever a monetary Hail Mary. Perilla describes it in similar terms. He said, what you're going to see in the next decade is this desperate effort, which is already very obvious, where banks and government just print money and borrow and bail everyone out, whatever it takes just to prevent the entire system from collapsing. See, Perilla gets it. He understands that the economic situation confronting us isn't just about the coronavirus. You could cure the virus today. That's not going to cure the economy. Perilla said the central bank monetary policy and stimulus packages have exacerbated deeper issues that were already present in the financial system. I've said this before. Peter Schiff has been saying this for years. Our problems are rooted in the response to the 2008 financial crisis. The Fed kept interest rates near zero for nearly a decade that created all kinds of economic distortions, and it blew up all kinds of bubbles, the most obvious one being the U.S. stock market. So when the Rona hit, the Fed put the policy on hyperdrive, and it's managed to reinflate the bubbles. I mean, the stock market valuations right now are insane given the damage done to the economy. There is no rational reason for it other than monetary and fiscal stimulus. The Fed was perfectly willing to rewrite monetary policy when the crisis hit in order to prop up everything for just a little while longer. Padilla summed it up perfectly. He said, what we've seen over the last decade is the transformation from risk-free interest to interest-free risk. And what this has created is a global series of parallel synchronous bubbles. One of the key bubbles is fiat currency, and one clear anti-bubble in the system is gold. Perilla said there's no reason to believe that the central banks are going to back off the money printing and bond buying. He said the bubbles are too big to fail, and mommy and daddy will do whatever it takes to prevent this. In other words, they're going to keep going until the dollar crashes. But what happens when the inflation really rears its ugly head? Is the Fed going to increase interest rates? I mean, that's the prescription for rising inflation. How will it ever raise rates with a bajillion dollars of debt in the economy? I have no clue. Speaking of debt, that reminds me, we got the June Treasury report this week. The monthly budget deficit for June came in at $864 billion. That's an $864 billion shortfall in one month. Let me put this into some perspective for you. The top four yearly budget deficits in history came between 2009 and 2012 during the Great Recession. They were all over $1 trillion. The fifth biggest annual budget 
budget deficit was last year, $984 billion. Now, keep in mind, this was before the pandemic. So we had a deficit then that you would expect during a deep recession, even as everybody was talking about the greatest economy ever in the history of the world. So don't let anybody tell you the debt and the government spending is just because of the crisis. It was happening before the crisis. So anyway, do you know when the sixth biggest deficit in history was? Last month. The June deficit ranks as the sixth biggest when compared to all of the annual budget deficits in history. Full year budget deficits. June was the sixth biggest in one month. Crazy. That's how extreme the policy is right now. That's why we have bubbles. And that's why you need the anti-bubble, gold. If you want to know more about how gold and silver can help you weather this chaos, how it will fit into your personal investment strategy, I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can call 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can just shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. These guys are great and they can help you figure out how precious metals will help protect your wealth during what I think is going to be a lot of economic chaos down the road. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast over at iTunes, on Stitcher, or on Google Play, or just subscribe to the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find all of the links on the show notes page. And uh, that's it. I appreciate you guys listening, and I'll talk to you next time.